Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Happy Thursday. We're here for another amazing episode of Marketing Ops Confessions. Thank you for joining us. I see a few repeat uh, attendees in our um, in our chat, in our um, room, I guess is the word I was looking for. I also see Brad. Hi, Brad. We love having our like Mops Confessions alumni show up too. Um, I am super excited to have a, another rock star. I'm like trying to avoid using the word rock star, but like, what is a better word? An amazing marketing ops champion slash hero (laughs) with us today. Um, and we have Jenna Mulvey and she is a Salesforce marketing champion, certified product consultant, Salesforce platform app builder and admin, um, and just i know some people know her as you know a, a loving lovingly coined term a pardashian a pardot queen <laughs> and jenna is the marketing ops manager at Dooley, and she recently joined the Dooley team so i'm really excited to chat with her about that and previously she was at galvanize so hi jenna how are you hello good how are you doing good i'm so excited to have you here i'm excited to be here Well, I know we have lots to chat about. And just as a reminder to everybody else, feel free to use the chat to say hi, share your LinkedIn profile, ask a question, um, talk about your own experiences if Jenna says something that you relate to. And then you can also use the questions tab to submit questions that you may have for Jenna. Um, But with that, let's dive in because we've got lots to talk about. We're going to, um, we're going to cover just kind of uh, you know, Jenna's journey, how she found herself at Dooley, what that process looked like, because I think they have a pretty unique interview process and how it really set her up for success. Um, and then we'll talk about, you know, kind of like ultimate tech stack and get into a little bit of some of those spicy topics that I know Jenna's very excited for. <laughs> yes. So um, Jenna, just tell us a little bit about, you know, your your background, your journey, and how you found yourself in your current role at Dooley. Yeah, so I am a former web developer turned marketer. I spent about eight years prior to joining um, more of the client side of things, uh, consulting before moving in-house. Um, and I wanted to move in in-house because I wanted to learn more about how B2B SaaS works outside of working on a specific project like you do on the client side of things or the agency side of things. And I wanted to get to know more teams outside of sales and marketing. Love it. And what did you find when you decided to like make that switch from in-house to, um, uh, or sorry, from consulting to in-house? Like what was your, like maybe what was your biggest challenge? Um, Cause I know that we talk a lot about that and it's just always interesting to hear because there's so many people out there that are considering one or the other. Yeah, moving in-house, um, it was definitely a change of pace for me. It was exciting. Um, One of the biggest things that I've learned is that you have to create work for yourself rather than you just put on projects, put on client projects when you're in consulting. You kind of have to find out how the business works and where to insert yourself, um, where you can actually help improve. It's less of um, here's a project, go run with it, finding out where you can help the business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. And some people, I think too, like when people are making that decision, it has to do with like what you are 
good at or what you prefer. Like some people would prefer just to have a project, right? And totally. work against the hours versus all of the never ending priorities. <laughs> totally. That was what was exciting to me because I could drive the projects that I really feel passionate about. Um, I could, you know, solve the business problems and learn a lot. Awesome. Um, okay, so how long have you been at Dooley? About two months now. I think it's two months on tomorrow, maybe. Oh, congratulations. Thank I you. love it. Once in at Dooley, Dooley's just like doing amazing things. Um, we were actually just talking about the really funny Star Wars campaign. Um, the Dooley team, the marketing team likes to do like funny, um, funny campaigns when they get a new G2 badge. So that was on LinkedIn yesterday or the day before. Um, <laughs> but I think you're in a really exciting position at Dooley and we'll get into that um, in a little bit because you're really building the marketing ops function from the ground up and you're the first marketing ops hire. So I think that's really interesting. But before we dive into that, I'd love to hear about, um, you know, I referenced the interview process and you had mentioned that it was kind of a unique process. So I'd love for you to just kind of talk a little bit about that and, um, you know, what, what that was like, what, what lessons you learned and what questions you were able to ask in the process and why, given the unique process, it really set you up for success in your first, you know, 30, 60, 90 days. Well, 30 30, 60 days, <laughs> almost 90. <laughs> yeah, so for the interview process, um, you usually have to do some sort of exercise these days. You have to do some sort of test or presentation. A lot of it has to do with you create a fake company and you have to present you know, the business challenges and how you would solve them, or you take some fake data, you manipulate it, provide some insights and present on that. Uh, Julie, it was really interesting because we did what they called a reverse interview. Um, so the idea of that would be I interview the hiring manager of what um, that 30 days would look like, what I would implement. So I'd have to interview them, uh, ask them questions over a period of an hour, and then at the end of that, come up with a plan of what I would start doing within the my first 30 days at Dooley. And I'd present that plan to um, the director of RevOps, our VP of Revenue, and our VP of Marketing. Um, so it's really interesting being able to learn more about how Dooley works through this process. Um, and I can tell, walk you through some of the questions that I asked um, yeah, during that process. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I broke it out into two big groups. One was technology and what the other one was process and data. Um, so the first question I asked is walk me through your technology stack. What does that look like? What products do you use? Um, the next thing was looking at any gaps in their technology stack. From their, from their perspective, what are the gaps? What tools should we bring on in the next kind of couple of months here? And then a big thing that we talked about during the interview process was bringing on a marketing automation platform. So they are starting from nothing. They don't use anything right now. Um, so what would that timeline look like? Do they have any um, platforms that they're preferring? And is the budget secured for that platform? Mm hmm. So with the so diving into some of those questions, especially, you know, with the marketing automation platform, like what what then did you, uh, you know, fast forward to coming on board? Um, 
which having this information coming on board, like you essentially have your 30 day plan, which is amazing. Um, but then like, how did you start to execute on that? Especially thinking about like bringing on a new marketing automation system. Like did, did they already have some sort of inkling as to what they would, were going to want? Or did you really get to help drive that audit and decision? And, and how did you come to the decision of um, Pardot? Yeah, I got to drive what that looked like because I was the owner of it. And it's it's interesting because usually people are moving off of a platform. So they have a lot of requirements because they need the new platform to do what the old platform did. And they need to be able to migrate everything over from the old platform. We weren't in that position. We have nothing. So it became um, a little bit different in terms of what our requirements are. So we didn't mm -hmm. have a ton of requirements. We had just very basic requirements, honestly. Um, good integration with Salesforce, um, good integrations with our current tech stack was easy to use. And we are a Salesforce product. So we kind of were learning more into the Salesforce ecosystem. Uh, we use Sales Cloud currently and we wanted to get Service Cloud as well. So anything that could help us um, do our jobs better from that perspective was what we were gonna go with. Yeah, and not to mention coming in with that fresh perspective and not having, um, you know, anything to rip and replace, like you got to lean on your experience too, right? Like where yeah. does my personal experience fall that also aligns with what the business wants, which is great. And I'm sure very appealing to, to you too. Definitely. And I was fully on board with going with Marketo or going with HubSpot as well. And that came up during the interview process as well. I think they wanted somebody to be the best decision for the business instead of making what the best decision for, for me personally would be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so what does the rest of the tech stack look like? And like, what have you kind of, um, you know, earmarked as, as an area that you would like to build out even more in the coming months or even, you know, 2022? Yeah, so we have um, Pardot, like we mentioned, Sales Cloud, Service Cloud. We use Intercom and Segment. We have Unbanked, Chili Piper, Lean Data, Looker, and we use Confluent and Jira for a ticketing system and documentation. And then lastly, Clearbit and ZoomInfo. Awesome. Um, and what does it look like when you're like really trying to, you know, what are some of those connectors that you're using? Like when you're trying to get like product data, for example, um, getting that, making sure that that is accessible for everybody. Yeah, that's a project that I'm working on right now is getting all of our product data into Salesforce. Um, so then we can run campaigns in Pardot um, mm -hmm. using that data based off of how many notes somebody creates or how many users a specific account has. Um, so right now we're using a tool called HighTouch um, that would sync that data over to Salesforce. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then has that concept yet been with HighTouch? Like, has that already introduced to like your sales and your marketing teams? Like, are they already used to kind of like that sort of adoption of having that product data? No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's part of the plan, I'm sure. Yes, that's part of the plan. Yes. <laughs> that um, would be yeah. the end goal to have everything. Salesforce is the source of truth. We have all our data in there, and then we can run campaigns off of it. We can have intercom connected to Salesforce as well. We have that information available in there. Uh, mm -hmm. That's kind of the end goal with that project. 
Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Um, okay. So we know your existing tech stack, your map. Um, if you were to like, and I love this question because like, forget Lily. Um, if you were to build like your dream tech stack of like, this is what Jenna would recommend to just have like a boss marketing ops, function, marketing ops, revenue function, what would that look like? Honestly, I think we're in a pretty good shape of where we have the tech stack now. A lot of these ones that they brought on before I started, I would bring on myself. I really like that. Uh, Madkudu is one that's on my list to bring on some more predictive account scoring, lead scoring. Um, we're not at the point right now where we have the data or the amount of leads coming in that we need that, but definitely down the road as we grow and we scale, we'll need something to um, help us with that. I just, I mean, we're part of your dream tech stack and that makes me so happy. <laughs> I love it. I promise, you know, we're not paying Jenna to say no, no. <laughs> Um, Brad actually has a question that I'm going to bring up because it's relevant right now. So he's, he's curious about your experience with high touch and, um, he's just kind of relating to like a solution that they have in place, um, just sort of like a duct tape connection for product data to Salesforce, um, which, yeah, I mean, Brad, I feel like, you know, before Jenna, you kind of dive in, I feel like this is definitely like a, a an issue that we see across the board and high touch, like really kind of, um, only solves for some of that, but something that we're definitely seeing and needing to address is the access, like the, the data accessibility across the board and being able to connect it to that one, uh, you know, source of truth like Salesforce. But yeah, yeah, Jenna, I would love to hear your experience with high touch specifically. Yeah, I don't have a ton of experience, to be honest. Um, it was in a project that was in pro progress before I started. So I've just been kind of diving into it slowly, figuring out how it works. Um, so far, it's working great. So. Awesome. Well, and Brad, you know, we're always happy to talk more about um, about your dream solution there. <laughs> um, Awesome. So at Dooley, um, like what does the organization structure look like? How, where does your team sit? Um, and knowing that like it's still evolving, obviously, like what do you envision in the future, you know, in terms of your team and how you're sitting within the revenue team as a whole? Yeah, so I sit in on the revenue team. I report to the director of uh, revenue operations. Her name is Sophia Francis. And then above her is our VP of revenue, Michelle Peach. And that's our team right now. Our revenue team is a team of three. Uh, our marketing team, I think we have about eight people on the marketing team. Um, and it's been different for me working at Dooley because previously at Galvanize, I was on the marketing team. I reported to uh, the VP of marketing. So it's been interesting to go from that to being more on the revenue operations side of things um, instead of on the marketing. I work mm -hmm. very closely with marketing still, um, the whole marketing team. I'm a part of their their huddles and all that type of stuff. Um, so I have to keep a clear, close connection with them, but I'm also on the revenue ops side of things. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and I think we're seeing more and more of that too. Like we used to ask the question of, you know, who should marketing ops report to? 
but everybody just starts saying RevOps now. So, um, and, and just the way that orgs are structured, like you see that happening now, like marketing ops is typically sitting under RevOps versus marketing. Um, what are some of the differences that you notice, you know, reporting up to marketing versus a RevOps function or leader? Yeah, I think in terms of my day to day and what my skill set is, it falls more into an operations type of RevOps type of role. So they can provide mm-hmm. more coaching to me. They can provide me with more guidance on what to do with like business process type of stuff. Um, my manager uh, gave me access to a course to take that was really interesting. That was really mm-hmm. um, um, part of my skill set type of thing. Whereas in marketing, I felt like they were great leaders, but not great coaching, like the operation and the technical side of things. Right. Which is only going to benefit you in your career and your career growth um, as it relates to what you, what your roles and responsibilities are. Totally. Yeah. Uh, Curious everybody here in the chat, if you're um, on the marketing ops team or, you know, on the marketing team and you obviously work closely with marketing ops, let us know who your marketing ops team reports to. If they report to um, the revenue team or the marketing team, or if it's kind of everybody's under that big revenue umbrella, I'm definitely always curious to hear how other orgs are structured. Um, yeah, CRO, VP of marketing, marketing. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting, I think, to see like the shift that might happen in the next couple of years for like most marketing ops teams to be sitting under the revenue team. Um, and it's interesting today that like almost everybody that's just answered, well, three out of four. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> three out of four are VP of marketing um, or head of marketing. Um, okay, so you know, thinking about sort of like building out this foundation of marketing ops at Dooley, like what a cool opportunity, what, especially knowing that like you get to use the tools that you're comfortable with and you're skilled at, like that's your expertise. So um, you can focus on the things that are like really critically important. Um, And I mean, to me personally, I think that's like those foundational pieces, but would love to hear from you, like what are those critical pieces in your opinion that you'll be focusing on and why? Yeah, so a couple of things that I've been working on is lead sources. So right now we don't have any like lead sources when leads come in. Uh, We don't know where the opportunity came from or have limited data. So that's a big project that I'm working on right now, tracking everything through the funnel. So we know where our pipeline is coming from. Uh, We don't have any lead scoring or lead prioritization. So just building something that would determine an MQL uh, for our sales team, help prioritize those leads. Um, what else? Um, setting up our marketing automation platform. So putting in those best practices of when you create a campaign, here's our naming conventions, here's what data we need in order to create the lead, all that type of stuff. It's all stuff that I have to define. Which is really fun because sometimes (laughs) it's like, usually you're coming in and fixing all of these things, right? Like it's more painful to come in and like try and rip and replace. And then you have all of this like change management from the perspective of like, we were doing this, but now we have to do it this way. Um, So yeah, that's, that's awesome. Like those were like very foundational things. Like if, you know, if you were to build your marketing ops house from the ground up, like those are truly the areas that you would want to focus on. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So when you're thinking about these things and you're like starting these initiatives, what kinds of um, 
requests and or pain points are you hearing the the most from from any team really or from leadership you know like what are kind of the things that like stick out to you that you're like oh i heard this and i know that then they really care about this and i need to somehow weave it into my plan yeah a lot of it has been talking about like lead sources and opportunity sources right now so having those reports of knowing where the marketing leads are coming from and what happens to them um, mm -hmm. we don't have those that those data points or we have some of those data points now. Um, we also have the data points in different systems. Um, so we do have source in a particular system, but that's not in Salesforce. So we can't track that up to, to the revenue type of stage. Um, so just finding all the little data points that we do have, because we do collect a lot um, and have a lot of products that allow us to collect a lot, but mm -hmm. we just need that in one centralized place right now. So that's a big part of what I've been working on that's fun um I, well fun like not having that data right now i imagine is not fun um <laughs> like how are they doing it <laughs> i don't know somehow how it ends up in some dashboard somewhere and I, no! i've been trying to figure it out <laughs> oh my gosh terrifying um and so like what will be your approach like just picking out one of those um areas like thinking about lead sources and like last time um or in a previous session with brad like we had a really good discussion around how he's tackling lead sources and um how he's stamping things and like do you kind of have a viewpoint on um approaching lead sources and generally attribution yes i do um, just starting to figure that out now, um, uh, now that I know we have the data somewhere, now I just need to figure out how to get it into Salesforce and start reporting on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and so do you, you know, like in defining your funnel, um, which it sounds like you're kind of doing, um, when you're operationalizing that in, you know, Salesforce and Pardot, like, do you have any, do you have any like tricks for people or advice for people to making sure that they can like fully capture, you know, whether it be the attribution or just understanding, you know, what's happening at every phase of the funnel, um, you know, whether that's like time stamping or using campaigns in a particular way, like what's your go-to um, method of making sure that you've got like the whole picture? Yeah, I do a combination. So yeah, time stamping, date stamping, um, when people reach an MQL or when they reach an SAL, SQL, et cetera. So you can know um, how long they actually stayed in those stages as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, we do have uh, B2B market analytics, which provides like a multi-touch attribution uh, through Pardot and through campaigns. Um, so we're very tight on our campaign management because of that, because that's mm -hmm what we look at um, for the even touch model. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, well, it sounds like you'll have an awesome opportunity to um, like really put some great processes in place and then work on adoption with the team and like be that, um, that, that person that has all the education that then kind of really like puts your role and like marketing ops, I think in general, um, in a really good place because you're kind of that go-to and like people aren't going to go around you because you've really defined what that is and then shared the knowledge to the team. Yeah, exactly. And that was one of the things that made me excited about working at Dooley is because I think most companies, they reach, you know, 
couple hundred people. And then I think about marketing ops. Before that, it's usually demand gen kind of running mm -hmm. ops in the background on the side of their desks. And they don't really think about that. And then they hire ops afterwards. And then ops mm -hmm. cleans up everything that has to do a bunch of change management in order to fix their old ways. So it's really interesting that, you know, Julie has put in the time to hire marketing ops before um, all that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's a really great decision. And I feel like we're also starting to see more marketing leadership be very vocal about that. Like, in hindsight, if I had to do this all over again, my first two hires would be something and marketing ops, like marketing ops yes, is always exactly. in the top three, because you've learned that lesson. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, there's a question that I'm going to bring up regarding attribution. Um, and it says, sometimes I'll have attribution for a lead. And then on a discovery call, we learn a different slash additional attribution source. Ooh, I have, a, I have something to say about this. Uh, how do you bake that into your tracking, if at all? You want to go? <laughs> oh, no, please. You, you go first. <laughs> um, so what I would do is add them to that campaign. Add them to, like, add the leader contact to the campaign. Yeah. Well, what the different additional attribution source was. Um, mm -hmm. So if we have a, if we have an even touch model, then that's going to attribute some revenue to that as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great process. Um, and I'll add to that too. One thing that we do is we actually have a, um, a required field for disco calls that um, ask the rep, you know, how did you hear about us? It's like the easiest question, right? And it, it's really interesting to see those answers and then we'll report against it. We'll go back and we'll just kind of like do some comparisons to see how accurate our tracking actually was versus what they said. Um, so it's, it's definitely a really great piece of data to have. And then, yeah, I think like making it actionable would be then incorporating that into the campaign for sure. So kind of like get the data, right? Like get the data, make sure that your sales team is like giving you that data. And then you can kind of flow that into the, um, the actual like operational side of it. Totally. Um, hopefully that answered your question, Ginger, feel free to follow up if there's more there. Um, so moving on a little bit, so I like, I want to continue talking about just kind of building out this function, um, and coming from consulting where like you, you really do a lot on your own too, right? Like, and you kind of, kind of are in some cases, and I imagine for some clients, like you are their marketing ops function. Um, so like, what are some of the lessons learned or the hardest parts about being that? sole marketing ops person yeah one of there's two hard parts for me the first one is um having nobody to kind of bounce your ideas off of so you're kind of on your own uh and with that i say like go join communities there's tons of slack communities for marketing operations professionals um, there's tons of depending on what tools you are using there are different communities um so i like to go ask questions in those answer questions in those so that kind of helps with that pain point um, the second one is you have to be an expert at checking your own work. Um, so, you know, there's no other senior ops person that I can go, hey, can you come and look at this process that I built? Because maybe they don't know Pardot or they don't know Marketo or they don't know Salesforce Flow. So you really have to become an expert at checking your own work. And that has taken me a while to learn how to do. Um, 
because I don't want some, me to make a process change and then somebody else finds out that there's an error somewhere. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, and I would agree with that because you mentioned earlier, like being in the demand gen position and like you're running ops in the background, which is kind of like what how our team operates. Um, but we have like like technical ops backgrounds too, which is nice. But that for me is also one of the biggest pain points is because especially when you're staring at something for so yes, long yeah. and like you have to remember like, ooh, like especially based on the tech you're using, like I know that HubSpot does these four things. So I need to like go back and check, go back and test. Um, what's your process for like, like your QC process for, um, you know, like something net new that you would put in place? Like, do you just run yourself through it and like check all of the pieces or are there certain like ways that you go about that? Yeah. So I used to write things out a lot. So I would say like, what is my like process to reverse this process almost like if this process didn't work that I've implemented, how do I fix it? If it's like manipulating data, for example, what would be, do I have an export of that data somewhere? Do I have field history tracking set up on the field so I could look at, you know, the activity logs and figure out what the old value is versus the new value. Um, so I'd actually write out what that process would look like so then I had it mm -hmm. now I've become a little bit more experienced that I don't write it out I just have always in my head like if things go wrong what am I going to do what's my backup plan yeah. um, and then for things that I like activate and stuff like that I have reports set up that I can look at it, make sure that things are working correctly spot check a couple of records look at their activity logs for example and make sure that um, everything is running smoothly. Um, but yeah, that's something I do. As soon as I implement a new process, I kind of become mm -hmm. obsessed with checking it to make sure that it's okay, because I don't want, you know, the VP of marketing or the VP of ops to find out the error before me. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. And then, oh, God, that feeling sucks. Um, yes. <laughs> but I like what you said, like doing a kind of like a reverse um, methodology there, because I think that what that what that speaks to is your risk assessment, right? Exactly, like, and yeah. I think that marketing ops naturally are very good assessment assessors of risk mm -hmm. um, because of exactly that. Like if I put this change into place globally and it goes wrong, like what, what's going to happen and like assess that global impact to be able to then make sure that you're like checking all of the boxes that need to be checked. Exactly. Yeah. And some of the best processes are the ones that people never find out that you've ever implemented because it just runs smoothly, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. Or like that one, that one time where you miss something and you realize it, but you were fast enough and nobody yes, ever exactly. figured it out. <laughs> like, oh, so that could have been bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite. Um, yeah. Out of curiosity, would you say, would you say that you're like a, a risk averse person in your personal life? That's a good question. I think as I got in, I've gotten older, I'm less risk averse. Yeah, <laughs> like when well. I was young and carefree, I was very <laughs> would take a lot of risks. But yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah, agreed with that. Um, okay, we actually have a follow up question from the attribution question, and um, no dumb questions ever. Thank you for asking. Um, if any, if you're curious, please ask. This is what this time is for. So do you run a campaign for passive events such as ungated content views versus what I'd consider active, like an ad click? Uh, I assume the answer is more campaigns tracking the better, but I'm curious how a pro thinks about it. 
Yeah, in terms of like an active ad click, I probably wouldn't track that in a campaign. I'd probably track what the what the goal of the ad click was. Did they download the ebook? Did they register for the webinar? I'd be more goal based, but I would look at like, for example, if we did run an ad, I'd want to know how many people clicked on it. So I'd look at it in whatever ad platform we have and kind of base it off of that. Mm -hmm. So campaigns based on the goal of the campaign itself. So yeah. if it's a piece of content and ads is one way people are getting to that, you'd probably have like a parent campaign and like child campaigns with the ads. Um, and then, yeah, I guess if the goal of the campaign is to click, then you could add it there. But if the goal is a campaign, if the goal is conversion, then you'd probably exactly. mark it as conversion. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Helpful. Um, hopefully that that answered your question, Ginger. Um, oh, awesome. Okay. And somebody says also never deploy stuff, new stuff before going on vacation. Yes, completely <laughs> agree. You're not going Very to have true. a vacation. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, okay, so I am curious and I tried to like pull it out of Jenna when we were doing our prep call. She's like, I'm gonna save it, but I would love to hear like any, like what's the hill that you want, that not that you wanna die on, but you would die on. <laughs> <laughs> and like, what is like a hot take that you have, you know, in the B2B SaaS tech marketing ops world, whatever you want to, however you want to call it? Yeah, I don't know if it's such a hot take anymore, but this is definitely the hill that I'm going to die on is that you shouldn't be reporting on like things like email opens and email clicks. I've been dying on this hill for many years now, and it's become more prevalent now that, you know, you have the mail scanners clicking all your links and opening your emails, and it just inflates those metrics. Apple is not going to track some of those uh, metrics in their Google or their Apple mail anymore. Um, so really, I want to look at a couple things with email metrics, um, deliverability rate, we should be focusing more on that versus open and click through rate. And then if you wanna see the success of your email, what is the actual point of the email? What is the CTA? Are people, is it to again, register for a webinar, for example? Did people who received that email register for the webinar? Take the actual action that you wanted versus just clicking a link in an email. Um, same goes for you know downloading an ebook. Did they actually download the ebook and they received the email? So I would, recommend choosing the success based off of the action that you want people to take from the email versus, you know, just a click. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, completely agree. And um, yeah, like opens, like I look at opens, but I'm really just kind of like checking the benchmark, yeah. um, but I don't make a whole lot of decisions off of it. I feel like some people have a hard time with this because they they've tied like traditionally there have been best practices tied to these metrics of like if your open rate is bad then this is why if your click rate is bad then try this but yeah. I don't think that's the case so much anymore like I no. think that it's hard because you really don't know you know but I do think it's a better method to then kind of focus on the actual goal of like did this did xyz happen and if not then kind of narrow down the reasons as as to why it could be yeah exactly and i feel like yeah just email clicks and email opens they're less reliable these days mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i do think people will be like well 
if I'm not looking at email opens, how am I going to know if my subject line was good enough? Yes, I know. <laughs> I, an email I think... geek in me realizes that. I'm an email geek, so I realize that. <laughs> but still. But then maybe that's an indication that it really doesn't matter that much, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, Brad, program success measurements over vanity metrics all exactly. day, yeah. every day. Um, Okay, any other hot takes that you want to share that you want to shout to the world or tips hmm. too? Like things that you just are like, this is something that has helped me in my career so much. Hmm. What has helped me? Lots of data experience, data work. <laughs> you still got to live in some Excel sheets, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, every day. Um, <laughs> Awesome. Well, and, and what are some, you had mentioned some Slack communities earlier. Um, so I, I guess, you know, like what would be some of those Slack communities that you're a part of that you would encourage other marketing ops folks to join? I'm a big fan of MoPros. I know, I think you're in it too. Yeah. Yeah. MoPros, MoPros is awesome. And Wizard of Ops is really good because it kind of brings back, brings into like uh, customer success operations and sales operations as well. So not just marketing ops focused. So I like to be mm -hmm. part of those channels now that I'm working with more people from customer success, for example. And then there's one for the Pardashians called Pardashians. Uh, you get a lot of helpful tips um, if you're a Pardot user. I love that. Uh, okay, well, as we wrap up, everyone feel free to um, add additional questions if you have them. Um, but curious your take, Jenna, on just kind of like where you feel like marketing ops is heading, you know, the future of marketing ops. Like I think we've talked about some of these things, right? Like starting to um, be a little bit more ingrained in like the, the bigger umbrella of revenue operations. Um, but like anything else that you see or you want to call out as we think about the evolution of marketing ops? Yeah, I think not just the, the bigger umbrella of like uh, revenue ops, I think just in general, the company, if you're going to have a bigger mm -hmm. seat at the table um, or be be better seat at the table within the whole company as we kind of evolve and we'll own more technology, we'll uh, own more process and that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. And I think that in turn, like that probably sets marketing ops up for bigger and better career growth, which is totally. an exciting time to be yeah. in marketing operations. Yeah. Very exciting. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on today. Um, if people want to, you know, follow up, reach out, see what content you're, you're writing about, where's the best place for that? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, follow me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Um, and we do have one more question from Brad here. It says, uh, curious what kind of projects you have on your plate once you have product data in Salesforce? Yeah, so there's a couple of them. One is we'll now know what in Salesforce, what um, when people sign up for the product. So we'll have that sign up date. So we'll run campaigns in Pardot based off of that sign up date. Mm -hmm. um, we'll have uh, like a PQL type of motion there. Um, or we'll be able to score people based off of the product um, information that they have, uh, that we have in Salesforce. Oh, what else? Really, it's kind of like a, a blank slate right now. Once we have that data going um, and connecting with my marketing team and finding out, you know, how we can actually use that data and kind of brainstorming uh, what we can do with the tech stack that we currently have. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exciting. And it seems like then you'll be able to reprioritize a little bit for sales too, to have totally. kind of like that true, like product led motion where, um, you know, it might be like less, less of a sales assist there. I'm, I'm assuming. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. Yep. Heck yeah. PQLs. <laughs> um, all right. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us today, Jenna. It's been fun talking um, to a true Pardashian. Um, so everybody feel free to follow Jenna on LinkedIn, follow Jenna on Twitter. Um, and next week we will not have a session due to the holiday, but I'm excited for the following session uh, with Chris from Trimble. Chris Willis, he's very active in the marketing ops community. He's very active in MoPros. He's been um, in in our sessions a few times in the chat. So definitely stop by Um, and also check out our marketing ops ebook. So if you're kind of looking to navigate the marketing ops world a little bit more, trying to understand like what's my next move? What do people care about in marketing ops? Check that out. Um, And otherwise have a fantastic rest of your week. Thank you, you, Jenna. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye.